Hello, my name is John Schwartz, and we're back again today to hear some stories of wild animals and the people who love them in our podcast series, Tales of Transformation, The Magic Between Humans and Wild Animals. With me once again is our storyteller and tour guide, Dr. Susan Eyrick, the founder and director of Earthfire Institute Wildlife Sanctuary, located near the Grand Teton Mountains. And Susan, today you were going to talk about Windwalker the Cougar. Yeah. So Windwalker was a magnificent cougar. We have photographs of him in his middle age and the sheer power of his presence is startling even just in photographs, let alone the videos. And he was um, somewhat aggressive, somewhat irritable, very, very macho. As he started to get older, something changed. And how and why is a question. I've noticed in general with quite a few of our animals that as they got older, they may seem to make some kind of transition from sheer biological focus to something, for lack of a better word, more spiritually oriented or softer. I think we see that same transition with humans as they go from young, vibrant, macho or female, full of hormones, um, trying to make their way in the world, to softer and wiser. And it begins to make me wonder if this isn't a universal process. In any case, he was pretty, even as he started to mellow slightly, he was uninterested in people in any positive way. And then two things happened, and I'm not sure which one was the, caused the impact or not. One is he was starting to get older, and another is we did a retreat, again with Penelope Smith, the telepathic animal communicator. And we spent some time with him, the people and Penelope. And Penelope, in her way, connected and communicated with him. And basically, he was beginning to have a little bit of trouble breathing, and she was connecting with him on that level. And also, it seemed as if he wanted... I don't know if this happened exactly that way. Let me think back to the... I'm picturing the whole scene. Some time... After that retreat, he became, began to change dramatically. It wasn't that fast, but it was dramatic. He became ever sweeter, ever more interested in coming up to meet humans when they came to visit. And I think, according to Penelope anyway, part and a, a kind of a similar thing happened with Teton Totem, I think. If it is possible for a human being to connect telepathically with an animal, there's a bridge set up, a connection, where suddenly 
the animal who's been used to being treated as a thing or looked at as an object or looked at with fear seems to suddenly realize with a sudden sense of shock almost, wait a minute, human beings can be connected to, can be communicated with, and then they change. And they become sweeter rather than like a defensive, angry adolescent who's never been seen or heard or listened to. Suddenly what happens if you actually listen to those kids, suddenly their potential begins to come out and their urge for connection and their urge for help to help um, changes. And it makes me wonder if the same thing happens with animals because now I've seen it happen several times, not just with Penelope but with other people. I personally don't have any of those abilities. Um, I just love. Um, is that what's happening? That these animals are actually being communicated with on a level that they can understand, as opposed to us saying oh, how cute you are or how, how beautiful you are, which is not that relevant, really. Um, are they actually being communicated with? All I can say is he began to change. And from being an animal that we couldn't trust with other beings, other humans, he became so receptive that we could safely have several people around him petting him as he would just purr and purr and purr endlessly. I mean, between the two of them, nobody wanted to stop. The, the, the people petting and the, and the cougar purring. And we did a couple of more retreats with him as he got older. At this point, he was getting pretty old. And people would sit in a circle, and he would, what would happen physically as he watched, he would look at each person. It would, actually, it was a semicircle, and he would look from left to right at every person. Again, I don't receive these things, but what the people said was that they each felt that they got a direct transmission from him as he looked at them, like a jolt of energy or information, something they needed. I'm in the same position here as I am with many of the, these other stories. I'm simply reporting it mm -hmm. for you guys to decide whatever you want. But the fact that that happened, that he, people sat, that he changed, or and he gave them, um, looked directly at them, the fact that he changed so dramatically... A lot of these things I do have documentation for. I have either pictures, stills, or videos. Mm -hmm. um, which adds a little extra perspective to it all. And a lot of that is on our, on our websites. Near the end, he lived to, I believe he was 13 and a half Near the end, he began to become paralyzed in his back end. And when we had people come, he couldn't really look after himself as much. We would bring him out, and um, people would sponge him and pet, clean him, purring, 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 purring. It's like he was healing them and himself at the same time. We tried to put him in a wheelchair because... A cougar that can't walk, I mean, he would have to drag himself as a, a sad, sad sight. 
and he allowed strangers to take him and put his hind legs into a wheelchair, and he immediately understood how to use it. Mm. And it gave him a level of, of dignity mm-hmm. as he could pull himself around more. As he aged, this was maybe in an August of the year. Usually we have retreats and visitors through um, end of October, early November when it gets cold and gray and no one wants to come anymore. Jean said he felt Windwalker ask him, again without words, but are we going to have any more visitors? And it was as if he was loving this new lifestyle the last couple of years of his life, just loving the being with, the sharing, the, if you want to call it teaching, the teaching. He was loving it, and he didn't really want to leave this earth until the last possible retreat was done. And in fact, he held on against medical opinion um, until the end of October and we had no more visitors and no more retreats and then he passed on as he got weaker and it was getting cold Jean would warm blankets and bring them to him several times a day and one day Jean it was sometime in late November it was mid-November um, came to him and much to his surprise Windwalker was sitting bolt upright usually he didn't have the strength to sit and he was sitting upright looking up at the sky and it was snowing gently and he had this faraway look in his eye and Jean entered and Windwalker was in another place he didn't know that Jean was there Jean approached him and touched him and he gave this great start like he'd been elsewhere. Mm. And it was as if he was coming back from somewhere, back into his body. Jean's touch had brought him back into his body. Mm. And Jean felt that something was happening as he was looking, as, as uh, Windwork was just looking up at the sky with this very faraway look. And um, he lay back down, purring, and John sat there with him, and as he purred, his purring was getting weaker and weaker. John put his head in his lap, and eventually, Windwalker couldn't purr anymore, and John purred for him until he passed away. It reminded me of what you hear hospice workers say that as people begin to, the dying process, often they'll get this faraway look in their eyes as if they're looking somewhere else. And sometimes people ask, what are you seeing? And they'll say, I can't tell you. Mm. And it's as if they're between two worlds. They're there and they're here and they're there and they're here until finally they're there. It seemed to be the same process with Windwalker which keeps re- just reaffirming to me over and over and over how similar we all are, mm-hmm. how we, the similar processes we all go through, that there is no fundamental 
distinction. So there are many other stories of Wind Walker, but I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's an amazing story. Um, And it it is really interesting to me as I listen to that, how the dying process, how there are these elements of the dying process that, as you point out, are uh, entirely similar to the dying process that we experience. And I guess that helps drive home the point of our connectedness across species, uh, you know, whether we like to think so or not. I'm also struck in the story about the uh, reciprocation of healing that happens in, in among many of your stories, that, um, mm. that you've talked about he- human healers, but clearly uh, there is a, a give and take there with not just healing, but connection itself and love that, um, the, the, the account of the people at the retreat and the energy they were getting across the board from Windwalker. Um, I would imagine that's been, a and also an enormous joy in your work is to see the, what people get from the animals in that reciprocal mm. way. And Teton too. Mm-hmm. And other animals too. I just haven't told the stories. Yes, it it just reemphasized the reciprocity. The you know you can teach or you can or you can heal like a doctor in an office or, or a teacher in school. But if you're just teaching facts or you're just fixing the body and there isn't that channel of energy interchange, it just doesn't work the same. Mm. And it's that channel of interchange. You know, if you want to think of it in a, what just occurred to me is when a woman carries an egg and the man carries a sperm, they're separate. When they join, when there's an interchange, there's this huge infusion of energy. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be the same kind of thing. What? The connection makes all these amazing things possible. Mm-hmm. It makes life possible. Disconnection leaves things dead and dull and narrowed and leads, I think, to depression, hopelessness, because on some level when we're born, we have a sense of the incredible joy and vitality of life, and it gets narrowed down, 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 till on some level we become desperate without mm-hmm. ever knowing it. There was a wonderful article once called Lives of Quiet Desperation, and we busy ourselves with addictions or cars or speed or um, material goods or computers, but it doesn't fill the deep yearning and recognition we have somewhere that there's not just more, but there's something incredibly magical, and we're not, we're cut off from it. I wonder if, uh, I remember when I was visiting uh, with you a couple months back, and I remember a comment that Jean made, uh, uh, and you alluded to this when you were talking, of, speaking of Jean earlier. It, he said, uh, paraphrasing, but something to the effect of, I, uh, I don't talk a lot, and I don't like to talk a lot, and that's one of the reasons that I enjoy working with the animals more, because 
they don't use words, but they are entirely honest. So I guess his point was that you know, words can really get in the way of authentic communication and uh, an accurate reading of each other's energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, when we talk, we go to a different part of our brain and a part of our brain that cuts us off from the type of communication, that, nonverbal communication that goes on. I think it cuts us off from a lot. Mm. But that's another discussion. Yeah. Well, thank you, Susan. Um, really enjoyed this uh, first series of podcasts. And uh, it, I've gotten a lot from it and really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'm wondering, as we look back on the series, um, if you would like to spend some time summarizing, and in particular, uh, as we think of the experience for our listeners, what is the takeaway you would like for them to have? And uh, what, what, how would you like for them to experience this in the way that they think and feel about all that they've heard? That the world is much larger and more wonderful than we're taught. And there's incredible wonder out there. And hope. Quite a few of these stories show a, a reciprocity of healing with Teton Totem, with Windwalker. It's not just humans healing animals, it's animals healing humans. And whether you believe the things that happened or not, something I'm firmly convinced of is that we do belong to the community of life and expanding our sense of community to include all life is only going to lead to infinitely better and different decisions we make that lead to different consequences in how we treat the environment, which leads to different consequences in what happens in the environment. So if we consider all life as sacred in its own way and part of our living vibrant community we're going to have a much richer happier experience on earth and a much healthier earth these are stories that I experienced and I really wanted to share I couldn't bear not sharing them because of the implications of what might be possible it doesn't mean we go out and pet grizzly bears. It means we understand that the nature of how the world works is different than we've been taught, richer, um, more communicative. And if we can follow up on that, it's a good direction to go. This is April. In a couple of months, we're going to be redoing our website. And the website focus is going to be on community um, sharing. So I would hope that you listeners would be able to share your stories with us, your own rich wisdom, because each of us brings our own form of rich wisdom to make a beautiful symphony. So your own questions, your own stories, your own wisdoms to this conversation online as we work together to find a way to heal each other and the earth. That's what I hope we can get from all these stories. Thank you, Susan, for the conversation and for the story that reminds us 
of the beauty of life. Thank you, John, for making it possible. You're welcome. And if you'd like more information, please go to earthfireinstitute.org. That's earthfireinstitute, one word, dot O-R-G.